It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Reds Podcast. I'm your host, your cheap seat crony, your bench jockey with a beer. My name is Jeff Carr, bringing you the Reds every day. Today's Phone It In Friday, I have back on the podcast for another go-around the friend of the show, Chad Dotson from Red Leg Nation Radio. Chad, how are you doing today, sir? Doing great. Glad to be back on with you. I'm very happy to have you back on, and I tell you, I was thinking of you over the weekend. I was following you on Twitter. I I myself didn't actually watch the Academy Awards, uh, but I kind of vicariously watched it through you. <laughs> and it got me thinking, I, w- I was thinking of this for the show, just an, a nice little lead-in. Would you rather be an MVP of Major League Baseball or an Oscar winner? Wow. Uh, you know, I, I got to say, uh, probably uh, an MVP in baseball, but actually I think that the one thing I would, re- if I could win an Oscar as best director, I think there that would probably go. be... Um, that's a pretty good career to have and that would last a little bit longer than, uh, than the big leagues. But, uh, maybe if I'm an MVP for the world champion reds, maybe that would be the, the, the yes. best, uh, the best bet. Yes, exactly. I, I had seen that green book won great, you know, best picture and all this. I, I honestly, I didn't see it. Um, of the list I'd seen black Panther and I saw into the spider verse and I saw, Bohemian Rhapsody, which I really like that one. I know not a lot of people did, but I, I, I was in on that one. So I was glad that Rami Malek won the award there. Uh, he should have won the best uh, actor who kind of looks like the guy he's playing. I'll give him that one, that much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, he, he did do well in that movie. The movie was fun. And, and Green Book won. We don't, we're not here to talk about movies, but Green Book won the Academy Award, and it was fine. It was a sort of a fun movie, but it was not the best picture of the year. That To me, that was Roma, and it, I thought it was clear far and away should have been Roma but anyway nice yeah no uh yeah to our favorite team as you mentioned the world champion Reds hopefully 2019 I think I think it would go a long way that on his current pace Jose Peraza he's probably gonna hit you know 627 hits or something like that 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 sound about right to you for this season, yeah, I think I, I don't see any reason why he won't get that many hits. <laughs> I tell you what, it's <laughs> I, I know the first the first dozen, and I myself get a little bit too crazy with these spring training games because I'm just so happy that baseball's on. But I know that they don't mean anything and all this other stuff. But it's been nice to see his performances so far and kind of piggybacking off of the way he ended last year. Uh, to me, Peraza is sort of kind of silently a really interesting uh, person to watch this year. You know, he's just going to be 25 this year and really came into his own last year. Uh, You know, finally got that on-base percentage up some, closer to where he'd been in the minor leagues, and his walk rate uh, ticked up a little bit. It's uh, continued to tick up since he's gotten the big leagues, and he's gotten more comfortable at shortstop. You know, he's probably going to be your number seven hitter for the Reds, and that just kind of makes my head explode. It's so amazing because he's really an above-average uh, for a shortstop, especially an above average hitter, and 
it just it's it's pretty exciting to me that at least at uh, through the first seven in the lineup, probably going to have above average hitters there. That's a lot. That's a lot of fun to look forward to. It's funny because you kind of it's almost as if you were in my mind there because my next question was one through eight, and this is no slight on him obviously, but one through eight, where do you think he ranks as far as hitters go for this lineup? Oh, probably seventh, but. Uh... You know, um, I think you could probably bat him higher in the lineup, uh, second maybe, and not be too uh, disappointed in his performance. I just think that it's difficult to bat him at the top of the order because he does have good contact skills. And as I said, his walk rate's uh, ticked up a little bit, but it's still not quite good enough to be a number one hitter. And you really probably, I wouldn't bat him at number two either, but you could sort of justify number two. But at number seven, you know, you got a guy that's going to get on base a good bit. He's also going to make contact and hopefully drive in some runs with some guys in front of him there at four, five, six. So I think it's a pretty good spot for him. And, and again, not a slight on him. It's just how strong the, uh, the rest of this lineup is. And kind of talking with the idea of the lineup, the Reds, you know, we're super happy with what they've done, getting Derek Dietrich and Jose Iglesias on crazy awesome deals for the players that they are getting. Um, a big topic this week. And it's funny because whenever he said it, it really didn't register that much to me. Whenever David Bell kind of said that he wanted to carry 13 pitchers through most of the season, didn't even register. And then they go and they add Dietrich and Iglesias. And now I'm like, well, how can you do that? I mean, what, what would you figure just looking at the roster as is constructed? Do you think 13 pitchers or 13 hitters? No, I don't know that I would ever go to 13 pitchers. I just I don't see the need for it. You know, uh, seven guys in the bullpen should be plenty, especially <laughs> yeah. for a staff like this, which is going to have five starters that should be expected to eat up a good number of innings. We may not have the one guy that you can count on to be the hammer and, and go seven, eight, nine innings, but uh, every time out. But it should be a lineup where or a rotation where you, you got some reliability there. And even with last year's rotation. Mm-hmm. there's really generally a guy down in the bullpen that's not getting much work at all. And it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me to, uh, to carry that many, especially when it harms your ability to, to, to move some pieces around on the offensive side. And, and I think you can put together a really strong five man bench for the Reds right now with uh, your backup catcher, probably going to be Kirk Casale, mm-hmm. Iglesias and Dietrich. You mentioned, I think those guys have got to be on the, the big league roster. And then uh, Scott Shebler, presuming he's not uh, starting and, and Matt Kemp presuming, presuming he's not starting, but uh, that's a really str- that's the strongest bench. The Reds have had really it, probably since, you know, the, uh, the nineties, maybe uh, it's, it, it's a really strong lineup. So I don't know who you, I don't know who you lose out of that group to, to go to a four man bench. I just, I'm not sure. Sh- I don't see how the numbers work out because those guys all need to be here. And, and if you go to four man bench, it says to me, you're also, you're thinking about using Michael Lorenzen uh, as a, a part-time outfielder slash pinch hitter, which is interesting to me as well, but I'm not sure I'd want to count on him. Yeah, that, it's kind of funny when you think about Lorenzen. Like, as a fan, I'd love to see it. But, yeah, if you look at it kind of logically, you, know, you almost worry about how much they would expect from him if they expect too much. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice if he could contribute something offensively or defensively. But if you're counting on that being the case, on him being one of the key guys off the bench, you probably you probably missed that boat. You know, he he could have been a center fielder coming out of college. A lot of teams on their draft board had him as a first round talent as a center fielder and hitter. So he could have done that. But you know, you take four or five years off, it's tough to play at the big league level without hitting uh, you know consistently. So 
But he and, is he's fun to watch. Right. And and even talking about that five man bench that we've got right now, I mean that's even leaving out guys like Alex Blandino and right. you know, newly acquired Kyle Farmer who played shortstop the other day despite being a catcher. And, yeah. and absolutely yeah. and Connor Joe, the rule five guy. Yep. You know, who has some versatility and you don't you get you'll lose him if you don't. So do you see any way they can just keep four? I, I mean, I don't, no. I'm not sure I see it. I think the only way that they keep four is if they somehow trade Kemp and just tell themselves that they don't need another one. And even then, I think we would vehemently disagree with them. Well, I think so, too, you know. And I hate that there's not a spot for Blandino. You mentioned him, but he's yeah. a guy that I think is a, a top shelf, uh, you know. But he's a backup, probably, but uh, can be an outstanding backup uh, infielder and uh so, so, but you never know. I like all these guys, and that's a good problem to have for the first time in a while. Exactly. And thinking of the pitchers, you know, um, when we look at Sal Romano and Cody Reed, those guys, we're almost penciling them in the bullpen already. Obviously, we've named the starting rotation. Do you think, with with a guy like him, and, and you know, Tyler Malley as well? What do you think is more beneficial to a young guy's development like that? Would it be major league bullpen work or would it be triple A rotation work? I think it depends on the pitcher that we're talking about with a guy like Tyler Malley, who's the youngest of that group. I think you're going to want to start him every five days in triple A. I think you're going to want to, you know, uh, give him an opportunity to develop, continue to develop. Uh, with Sal Romano, you know, he's, although he's still young as well, but he's had an opportunity to start at the big league level. Um, and you know, we, we sort of know what we've got with him in some ways. I'm not sure there's a whole lot of development left. Maybe having him in the bullpen is a, is a, an interesting idea right now, especially with his actual, uh, pitch selection. He's got that hammer and, uh, he can, you know, he, he actually looks like a pretty good shutdown reliever to me. Uh, not that I'm giving up on him as a starter, but I think he helps the, the big league bullpen. I'm not sure Tyler Malley helps the big league bullpen a lot right now. Cody Cody Reed can probably help the big league bullpen if he can make it. Um, and, and so I guess the way I would look at it with those guys in particular, and even a guy like Robert Stevenson, uh, leave, leaving Malley out, I think Malley needs to be starting every five days. But the rest of them, can they help the 2018 or excuse me 2019 Reds win games in the bullpen? If the answer is yes, I think you have them in the bullpen. If it's not, the, you know, if, if they're not your best option as a reliever then go ahead and send them down and let them get those starts. But if you think they can help you in the bullpen, I've been preaching for a while now. The Reds need to have their 25 best guys mm-hmm. on the roster. And I think I think those are guys that are sort of on the on the fence there. Are they starter? Are they reliever? And and you may be costing some development. But, you know, if Sal Romano can be a shutdown reliever, well, we're going to need a shutdown reliever. Everybody does. So, <laughs> you know, that's, that's sort of the way I look at it. Uh, you look at each individual and determine – uh, what's best for their development, but also what's best for the, the 2019 Reds. I think Tyler Malley is definitely their super six guy when it comes to the starting rotation. Yeah. And I I almost, I mean, don't have a crystal ball or nothing, but I'd almost like to think that he is a guy that displaces one of the one-year starters that, you know, they don't have to necessarily sign Tanner Rourke or Alex right. Wood to an extension. It'd be nice if they sign one of them or both of them, but – He's a guy that could step in next year after and and I caught up on the Red Leg Nation podcast today and I heard you use the term marinate as he marinates this year in AAA. <laughs> right. I always loved it when Dusty said that. That was great. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of things to love about Dusty. That was one of them. 
I think you're right. The ideal scenario for Tyler Malley is that he uh, is sort of the sixth guy, like you said, this year. And that guy's going to get a lot of starts. He'll get a bunch of starts in the big <clears> leagues this year. I'm guaranteeing if, if he's healthy, not everybody in the t- first five are going to be healthy all season long. So, so Malley's going to get his shot in the big leagues. And then next year, right. And, and if he performs well in the big leagues, and certainly if he performs well in AAA, then you pencil him in as one of your five next year if, if Rourke leaves or if Wood leaves. Um, and so I think, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's the best case scenario for him. Uh, well, the best case scenario for him personally is he gets his chance sometime early this year and then just he pitches so well they can't send him back down. But uh, and that, that, that there's a not insignificant chance that could happen. Malley's got all kinds of talent. He's a real, another guy that I'm really looking forward to watching this year. And then even thinking about the bullpen, this is uh, probably going to get a little bit more philosophical of a, of a thought discussion part here. David Bell came out the other day and said that they're going to use, and I know Brian Price, I think, said this too a year or two ago about Rysel Iglesias, that they're going to put him in the most important situation in the game. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to save him for the ninth. I myself have always had a certain opinion of the save statistic. How do you feel about the save statistic? Well, not to put too fine a point on it, I think we should go back in history and uh, eliminate it from any uh, baseball discussion ever. Never, <laughs> it never should have been a statistic. It's a ludicrous statistic. We are in and agreement. It, <laughs> yeah. Well, good. Uh, good. I, I, I was concerned there because what's, what's happened is they created this statistic out of whole cloth and managers started managing to the statistic. You're absolutely right. Uh, what David Bell says, I hope he does it because Brian Price never really followed through on it. Right. But uh, – when you get to the most important part of the game, the most high leverage situation in the game, I don't care if it's the ninth inning or the fifth inning. I want Rosella Iglesias pitching there if I if I can, because he's the best reliever that's out there. And I just uh, it never made sense to me that you're going to save him for a ninth inning. That's you know, and especially a clean ninth inning. You bring him in with, to start the inning, nobody on, uh, and you know that's the easiest position for any pitcher. I just uh, I think it's caused managers to manage to the to the statistic, and that's never a good thing. Yeah, it it, it always brought up the thought, and this is a grown man yelling at a cloud, but with Aroldis Chapman, it always bugged me. I'm just like, man, this dude is way bigger than the ninth inning. Why do you forcibly say no? We can't pitch him now. We, it's not the ninth. It's the seventh or it's the eighth. Like they've arbitrarily. I think the only two people that actually care about the save statistics are fantasy baseball players and agents yeah. trying to get their dude some money. Well, I mean, and, and as fans, it's nice because you can, you know, oh, this guy got so many saves. But, sure. you know, I think it's uh, the hold statistic, I think, is almost more important. And then, I mean, and I'm not trying to compare statistics and all this other stuff, but also inherited base runners, all that other stuff. That That's more of a something that you should focus on with a reliever and not necessarily the save. Yeah, it's it's you can't really judge who's a better reliever just by that statistic. Let me tell you why I'm hopeful that David Bell is going to actually use Rosella Iglesias in, in the manner that you and I are suggesting is probably the best way to Let's use see. a reliever. Because, uh, you know, the Reds signed uh, Rosella Iglesias to a, a basically book and a contract, basically buying out the rest of his arbitration years. Mm-hmm. Um, and to me, that was an important uh, – and I've heard some talk of this, but – I'm hopeful that they do that because it's easy for them to make the case to Rosella Iglesias. Now, you don't have to worry about going in and making the case in front of an arbitrator 
that you're doing well to, so that you can get paid. Um, because the way they do that is through the state save statistic. And, and, they're, and they're saying to him, you may not be getting as many saves as you've got before, but we're going to use you. But, but you're more valuable to us because we're using you in the most important parts of a game. And um, so I'm hopeful that that pressure, that maybe as he gets closer to becoming a free agent, maybe that's a different uh you know, a different conversation. I'm hopeful the pressure to have to collect all these saves is now there is no pressure on him because he's he's locked up for a few years at a guaranteed uh, price and he knows what he's getting and uh, and it's a fair price to him in terms of what he would have gotten in arbitration. It's a fair price to the Reds because they got this great pitcher for what's a really a pretty reasonable price. So uh, I'm hopeful that there won't be any of that managing to the st- to this statistic, uh, the save statistic. And uh, and so I'm David Bell. Uh, you know, my fingers are crossed. I guess. Yeah. And that's that I hadn't even thought of that. When you buy out, when you buy him out, they say, you know what? We already know you already know that we value you. Like, why are you worried about getting that one save? We want you to pitch whenever we need you to get us that, you know, get us that out, get us those couple of outs to get us out of that situation. Yeah, it's it's the opposite of the Nixon's ill. You know, you're treating a player right, and you're showing him that you value him. Yeah. Oh man. Let's yeah we can let's close up shop on talking about that for a minute. We both again agree uh, with Nick Senzel. I want him on the opening day lineup. I don't care about twenty twenty five. I care about twenty nineteen. Um, I saw <laughs> saw Doug was in quite a discussion with a number of different people on Twitter about the whole service time idea and all of this other stuff, and, and even Nixon Zell defensively has looked pretty decent today, which, you know, today is today and tomorrow is tomorrow. But when it comes to the grand scheme of things, I think he's going to work out. If he doesn't start opening day, put yourself in his shoes. If, if you are one of the best 25 people on this team and you do not start opening day, what are your feelings on that matter? My feelings are when I get a chance to punish this organization – I'm going to do it. You know, mm-hmm. when they come to me, want me to sign some kind of an extension, uh, I'm going to tell them, uh, no, thanks. You, you didn't have my best interest at hearts at the beginning. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen with Chris Bryant and the Cubs. He's still upset about the Cubs holding him down. That's and, uh, and, and Sinzel made a comment the other day and it wasn't sort of, it wasn't, uh, uh, you know, a nasty comment. It was just something like, um, do I think I'm one of the best 25? Yes. Do I think the Reds are going to have me on the opening day roster? No. And, uh, and, you know, uh, he said, I get it even if I don't agree with it, basically. Um, and, uh, but I just think it's ludicrous for a team to just punt on two weeks of the season when you're trying to win as many games as you can. And the way I look at it is if Nixon Zell is so good that they re- the Reds really want him on that 2025 roster, that's what we're talking about, the 2025 season. Mm-hmm. If they want him on that team, then he's going to have performed well in between. And the Reds are just going to have to pony up. And, and it's going to be worth paying the guy what he's worth at that point because he's shown that he's a, a legitimate player. And I like just buying a little bit of goodwill here on the front end and say, hey, you know, we're not going to, they already played games with him last year. Right. And, uh, he, and he wasn't happy with that. We're not doing that again this year. You're our guy. We're going to bring you up here, even though we don't have to and we could get a break down the line. You know, um, I just think you treat people well and it, eventually – uh, you, it'll come back. Uh, it'll pay itself off in the in the end. Maybe I'm being naive on that, but that's that's the way I believe, and I think he needs to be here because he helps the Reds win. Right, and and you're right. This isn't the first year that this possibility has come up. Last year it was a real possibility. He totally should have been on the opening day roster. And then on the other hand, like 
you know, if you do it again to them, there was all these updates coming out, and I'm kind of going to connect two thoughts here. There was all these updates coming out today about them pushing the play clock idea back to, or the pitch clock idea back to 2022 and with some other concessions and all this other stuff from the player side. And they're talking about creating goodwill for the forthcoming collective bargaining agreement negotiations. And I'm like, well, I think big picture. Why, why can't the teams just kind of, you know, take a step in the right direction to the players? And I think this is that opportunity, at least for the Reds, to make their players feel as though they matter by keeping him on the opening day roster. I think if you just wait till April 12th, like we've all seen with the projections of this division, and you, you know, for lack of a better term, I, I don't think you punt wins, but you definitely put yourself in less of a position to get the wins than if he was on the team and on the lineup. Then what's the players looking at the Reds organization like? What you know, what are you doing here? Yeah, you're willingly putting a an inferior product on the field. And I think that they can set themselves apart from just about every other team by – I'd be very public about it. Mm-hmm. Nixon Zell's going to be here because he's good enough. I don't care about the 12 days or whatever. And if it's going to cost us more money later, okay. It'll cost us more money. If we lose him a year early, okay. Um, we're we're going to treat players. The best players are going to be here on our team because we want to win now. I think you can set yourself apart from the rest of the league uh, you know, and, and get a little advantage yourself. Uh, you know, the, I think the Reds can spin it to their advantage while also helping them win games this year. I, I don't know. I just uh, – I think it's cynical to keep him down for a second straight year. And, uh, frankly, if, if the Reds do that to him for a second straight year, I hope – and I'm a Reds fan – I hope Sinzel tells him to stick it when it comes time to sign a, a contract. <laughs> and I can't believe I'm saying that, but I do. No, and I, I mean, we are definitely totally in agreement on this, and uh, we could keep talking about it a lot more. So won't take up too much more of your time. I do appreciate you coming on here and um, – talking with me about the good old reds we we are getting close to the season man i'm excited and i know you are too absolutely man this is a fun time of year and uh, we got a lot more to be excited about this year so uh so really really excited to talk more about the reds over the coming months heck yeah well in case any of you don't definitely check out red leg nation radio it's on all of the great podcasts mediums with which you can find this podcast right here and also head on over to redlegnation.com they got a lot of great writers over there and some great content and chad really appreciate you having it on look forward to talking to you more throughout the year yeah it's always fun buddy thanks for having me on hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today